Blog Talk Radio. talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. Of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. You have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. You can send messages to the show on Twitter, at go for gant While you're there, on Twitter, at go for gant Give me a follow, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A. NT. Great show lined up for you today. Expect it to be joined by Jets linebacker Demario Davis and the Jets 2 and 0. 2 and 0 have a uh, what seems to be a very winnable game coming up against the Philadelphia Eagles at home coming off a big time victory Monday night against the Indianapolis Colts. So we're going to talk to Demario about that. Also, we got Philip Boyd and Philip, actor Philip Boyd, and he's one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves, and The Have Nots. And oh, oh man, what a great uh, season finale that was! If you haven't seen that show, you're missing something big. But we're going to talk to Philip. Also, Hall of Famer Willie Rofe will be joining us, and also the first and only licensed African American woman by NASCAR, Tia Norfleet, will be joining us as well. So we got a loaded show for you. Demario, uh, Demario Davis coming up in, in, in 10 minutes. Willie Rofe at 35 after the hour. Tia Northfleet in the second hour. And Philip Boyd in the second hour as well. And as we go throughout the course of this show, we're going to look at the 0-2s in the National Football League. 0-2 in the National Football League. History tells, you, tells us if you're 0-2, guess what? you now have a 12% chance of making the playoffs. So Baltimore, Houston, Indianapolis, Philly, Detroit, Chicago, New Orleans, Seattle, you have a 12% chance. If, oh, by the way, if any of these teams, the 0-2 teams, if they would happen to lose this week, they would be 0-3. And then at that point, you now have a 1% percent chance of making the playoffs and I believe it's sat out there since 1998 if you go on three you haven't made the playoffs so reality is you better win New Orleans it's going to be tough without Drew Brees you better win Indy Houston Philly Chicago Detroit Seattle you better win but as we go throughout the course we'll talk about the 0-2s Cam Chancellor, you know, his decision to come on back. I think he we'll, – we'll get to it. Did he come back too soon? Did he end the holdout too soon? We'll talk about that as well. Let's start with last night in the National Football League. We saw the Giants and the Redskins play, and, and we saw the New York Giants uh, finally get a W. We saw the New York Giants finally being able to close the football game. It wasn't easy. 
but they were still able to ultimately close that football game. It it looked like they weren't going to do it. They were going to they weren't going to do it, but they ultimately were able to close the football game. And the thing is now, New York Giants, you know, very winnable games. Week one against the Cowboys, they messed that up. Week two against the Falcons, winnable. They messed that up as well. So you look at this New York Giants football team, you look at the NFC East right now. Well, Tony Romo, Tony Romo, he's out. Eight weeks, eight to ten weeks. Des Bryant is going for a considerable amount of time. So that's an issue. The Redskins have Kirk Cousins. That is not a good situation. I, I mean, Kirk Cousins, so average, very average. It's no wonder that RG3 can't get on the field with Kirk Cousins as the starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins. But anyway, and then Sam Bradford, who, you know, was the preseason MVP. You know, this 13 was 13 for 15. And, you know, what, do those three touchdowns against the – the the Saint uh, not the Green Bay Packers in that third preseason game that dress rehearsal and everybody was goo goo gaga and 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 just you know frothing at the mouth about this Eagles offense this Eagle football team we you know we we just a lot of people couldn't contain themselves and and I'm one who hates to read into preseason but I got a little excited myself but Sam Bradford seemingly has come back to earth. And now with Romo gone and the Redskins being the Redskins, why not the Giants? Why not the Giants? And and I'm not saying the Giants are good. I'm saying they're in a bad division. I'm saying the division is there for the taking. I'm saying the Giants are play, and you can say that about a lot of teams, the Giants are literally boneheaded plays. Uh, at least in the game one, from being at least 2-1 and getting a big-time road victory against the Dallas Cowboys. So now you look at the New York Giants, next three football games, you know, at Buffalo, San Francisco at home, winnable. Buffalo, I mean, Buffalo's a good football team, but it's winnable. And then at Philadelphia, also winnable. So the next three games are very winnable. And then you got a rematch against the Cowboys. But the next three are very winnable for the New York Giants. I never like to sleep on two people when it comes to the New York Giants. We could talk about, you know, the the, the New England Patriots, Belichick and Brady. And that's been a staple of the New England Patriots, and that's one of the reasons they have four championships, because they have Tom Brady along with Bill Belichick, but players win championships. Coaches help, don't get me wrong, but Tom Brady is Tom Brady, and he's special. But anyway, you look at it, and and for the Patriots, it's always been Belichick and Brady, and they've always won a certain type of way. No matter what, what in terms of, 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 of talent, you know, they still find a way to get it done. You know, a new guy here, a new guy there, still find a way to get it done. You look at the New York Giants, you know, it's been a familiar situation. Coughlin and Eli. Eli hasn't missed a game anyway, since 2005. You know, it's Coughlin, it's Eli. And those two have been together two, two Super Bowls. And, and their Super Bowls, you know, their victories were unexpected type of victories. Their journeys were similar. 
having to go through various teams in their buildings to get to where they want to go, and that's the Super Bowl, and then having to beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick twice. So I look at, I look at this football team, the New York Giants. I say don't sleep. Don't sleep on this team. Don't sleep at all. With the way this division is shaping up, with the way certain teams are playing, and I'm going to go through all the 0-2 teams as we go throughout the course of the show, and we're going to figure out whether or not they can go to the playoffs. Can they turn around? Can they get it right? New York Giants were an 0-2 football team. They were one of the 0-2s until last night. They got back on the good foot, got back to their winning ways. Defense is still iffy, but Victor Cruz is coming back. Still got Rashad Jennings and, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. You still got Eli Manning. And, and that's been a constant for the New York Giants. And, of course, you still have Tom Coughlin. So you got Eli. You got Tom. You got the New York Giants. And you got a team who right now, uh, uh, they're a team that, with the NFC East being what the NFC East is, and with all the questions surrounding the Eagles, the Cowboys and the Redskins, and especially the Eagles and the Redskins, I mean the Eagles and the Cowboys, because coming into this season, you thought the NFC East, and your mindset, your thought process was the NFC East is a two-horse race. Two horses. That team in Philadelphia, that team in Dallas. You didn't give New York much of a chance. You didn't give the Redskins much of a chance. But now, Brandon Whedon's your your quarterback for the Cowboys. Could be Matt Castle at some point. So, the Cowboys, and no Des Bryant. You know, you're, you're talking about two guys. They're two marquee players. Probably the two best players on their football team. On, in street clothes for extended periods of time. That's going to be tough. tough. That's going to be difficult. That's going to be rough. But I don't think it's going to be impossible. I really don't. I'm not going to, 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 to close the books on the Dallas Cowboys because they don't have uh, Tony Romo or Des Bryant. I'm not going to call, close the books on them. I, I'm not going to do it. Um, you can if you want, but I think this football team has some character. I think this football team with that offensive line, I, I, don't get me wrong, they're better with DeMarco Murray. You know, DeMarco Murray being in there for the Dallas Cowboys obviously is a better situation for that football team than, than what they have now by committee with Joseph Randall, Dunbar, and McFadden, Darren McFadden. But that Cowboy defense, I mean, what they did to the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Philadelphia Eagles have been struggling, but that second half against the Atlanta Falcons, their two best quarters of the season. I mean, they were they were hitting, and Sam Bradford was hot, and was it 20 for 22 in that second half against the uh, Atlanta Falcons? And my thought process was, you know, 20 for 22. Okay, you got off to that rough start in that first half, but now you, you seem to get back on track. You seem to settle down. You seem to you seem to 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 lock in and, and get comfortable, and 
I thought that was going to carry over against the Cowboys. I thought that was going to carry over, you know, home opener in Philly, a team coming off a tough loss against Atlanta. I, I thought it was going to carry over. It didn't. It didn't carry over. And ultimately, the Philadelphia Eagles got beat down last week by the Dallas Cowboys. The New York Jets are coming, and that's going to be a tough, tough football game for the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll see if they can get it straight. When we come back, we're going to be joined by uh, one of the guys from that big-time Jets defense, linebacker Demario Davis. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean see anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't <laughs> mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Robbie. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> We're back. Go for it, blogtalkradio.com. Paul again here talking sports, having fun doing it. We're about to bring in a, a guy whose team is having some fun right now. The New York Jets, 2-0. Uh, they go out uh, week one, dominate the Cleveland Browns, and then they go to Indy and dominate Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts. The Jets are 2-0. They're riding high. Get some big time play from their defense, and the Jets look good. They got a big game coming up this weekend against the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to bring a guy in now who's a big part of that success. Let's bring him in now, linebacker for the New York Jets, Demario Davis. Demario. Yo, yo, what's going on, fellas? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I can't complain, man. Let's get right down to it, man. You're, you're, you're Jets. They, you dominate the Colts on Monday night. You intercept Andrew Luck three times. You force two fumbles, five turnovers in all. Talk about the defensive performance against Indy. Um, I think we were able to go out and execute our game plan effectively. We had some things that kind of had them dialed up, and we were able to execute. And so at the end of, at the, end of the day, you know, two teams are preparing and you have a game plan, whichever one is able to stick uh, as close to it and execute, that's the team that's going to prevail. And fortunately, we were able to do that in week two. And you guys prevailed. You've been getting it done on both sides of the ball, especially on that defense. Ten turnovers in two games for your defense. You only had 13 takeaways all of last season. What's the difference? I mean, I really don't know the difference. I just know as far as this year, we really – focused on turnovers from the off season up till now. From the time the new staff got here, they've been emphasizing turnovers. Uh, we have a big turnover board um, in our defensive meeting room. We've been emphasizing it in OTAs, training camp, in the preseason. And I guess now you're seeing the results of that. 
for sure, and this defense has been balling, playing some big-time football. Rex Ryan out, Todd Bowles in. How much different is Todd Bowles' defense than Rex Ryan's? I'm not a... I'm not a big guy who really thinks about um, the past, so I really don't – I'm not able to compare it in my mind. I just okay. kind of take things as they are. Just I know with, with Bowles, he has us incredibly prepared for each opponent. Um, he he likes to attack the quarterback. That's, that's what he wants to do. He wants to disrupt the quarterback by all means necessary. If he has to um, drop – if he wants to stop a quarterback and he has a choice between – you know, dropping eight in coverage and blitzing, he's going he's gonna to send the house. And um, to do that, you have to have the players. And I think, you know, the front office did a good job in bringing in players who could get the job done that fits the coach's schemes. And, you know, um, we're in a good position right now. And so For sure, right now, 2-0. and oh. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I wasn't saying that. I was saying we're just trying to get ready for Philly this week. For sure. We're talking to Jets linebacker Demario Davis and your quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick playing solid football. Uh, you know, he's been playing you guys are two and he's he's playing good football, solid football. He's going to be the starter moving forward according to Todd Bowles. Right now, is this Ryan Fitzpatrick's team? Uh it's 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 New York Jets team, you know. <laughs> it's about everybody in the building, um, not just the players, coaches. Uh, training staff, equipment, everybody. Everybody has to do their part, do their job, and that's what it takes to be successful on any level. For sure. And you got the Eagles coming to town. The Eagles are 0-2. They're struggling. You know, you guys coming off a big Monday night victory against the Colts, Eagles, a desperate football team. A desperate team is a dangerous team. How do you guys avoid the letdown against the Philadelphia Eagles? Um, the, the Eagles are uh, a very good team. It's going to be a very uh, tough challenge for us. They have a, a very uh, explosive offense. They have good weapons at the quarterback positions, running back and receiver, um, with some great players on the offensive line. It's going to be a very tough challenge for us. We just have to be able to execute our game plan. If we have to do that, um, it'll be good. But, you know, it's going to be a good challenge for us. Now, you talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and their wide receiver, Josh, Josh Huff, said that. He felt like the Cowboys knew the Eagles play the Eagles plays. As you prepare for this Eagle team, do you see a predictable offense with the Philadelphia Eagles? Is their offense predictable? Um, no, I wouldn't say that. I think Chip okay. Kelly is uh, one of the one of the more brilliant mind offensive minds in in the NFL. Um, you know, and so it's not going to be. Um, easy or um, like you're just going to know their plays ahead of time. You know, he, he's a great offensive coordinator and been successful on his level. Um, you know, being a 30, 40-point team, you know, coaches don't, don't do that when they're just uh, predictable. So it's going to be a very it's going to be a very serious challenge for us. Now, obviously, Chip Kelly and the Eagles, they, they go fast and furious. How do you guys prepare for this type of offense? Uh, it's, very, it's, it's very tough to prepare for when you don't have um, a fast tempo offense. You know, you you just you just have to kind of make sure that you're in shape. Um, make sure you very um, that you know your assignments, know where you're supposed to be, uh, know what they're trying to do. Um, get lined up and play football. It's gonna that's what they do and they do it well. So you have to be ready to to, to counteract it. We're talking to Jets linebacker Demario Davis, and 
there's been talk around the league that that and and some NFL analysts are saying that they they look at Sam Bradford, the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, and they see a guy who looks scared on the field. Are, are you seeing that? Do you see that when you look at your film study? No, no, he's a um, he he's a he's a very good quarterback in his league. You know, he can make all the throws. He knows where to go with the football. Um, you know, he knows the system. He can get. He can do what the the coaches are asking him to do. They have a lot of good quarterbacks over there in Philadelphia, and he has a starting job. So that that speaks about him in itself. Um, we're just doing. We're just preparing so that we can do everything that we can to stop him. Now the Eagles, they they've had some issues running the football. Demarco Murray only 11 yards in the first two games of the season. Last season, he led the league in rushing. And, and pretty much he's been shut down. The Eagles' running game has been shut down. Do you look? Do you look at this game and say that's the key? We have to stop their run game. Um, that's a focus for us every week, um, no matter who the opponent is. Uh, I think any any successful defense wants to be able to stop the run. So, um, you know, we got to we got to come out and put together a great rush defense this week. For sure, for sure. We're talking to Jets linebacker Demario Davison. I know you're out there in New York. The Pope is in New York. Uh, are you going out there to go see the Pope? Uh, I don't think I'll be able to see him. Not this time around? Well, I mean, I don't think my schedule is going to permit me to, to, to make it out to see him. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let me ask you this now. We 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 got uh, Darrell Revis. He's been, he's questionable with a groin injury. I know he's out there on the practice field today. How does Revis look, and do you expect him to play on Sunday? Um, I I'm always expecting all my teammates to play. Um, what what happens when guys are banged up or injured is uh, between them and the trainers. So that that's out of my range. I don't know, but I'm always, you know hoping our team is at full force, you know, that's what any player. Um, so I don't know is that what, is, what the situation is. So best guess, you think he plays on Sunday? <laughs> As I just said, man, I don't know. I don't know the situation. We're not in a, we're not in a guessing, in a guessing game. We're in a production business. For sure. And for you now, man, this is a contract year, opportunity to get this money an opportunity to get paid. Do you feel any extra pressure out there knowing that, you know what, if if I go out there and I ball out, I get paid. If I don't, maybe I don't get paid as much as I thought or as much as I could get. So is there any extra added pressure for you out there? No, there's no, no extra pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess you could say my pressure is always uh, maximized. I'm always trying to get my best performance. Um know, because I know I don't represent just myself, um, but I represent everything I believe in. I represent my family, and I'm representing my teammates. So I'm giving it everything I got every time I step on the field. And so if you talk about pressure, I guess I'm at the most pressure you can have every game. And at the end of the day, I'm just trying to do my job as best I can. You know, I'm, I'm one part of the puzzle, and so I'm just trying to do my part. And for you, as you have on your Twitter page, it's God over money anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what's most important to me at the end of the day. Uh, money, fame, and success, or you know, all the things that um, seems to be esteemed in our country. At the end of the day, where you spend your eternity is most important. And 
you know, and I know where I'm spending my eternity, and that's with God. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what I'm always focusing on. So as long as you got that, everything else is kind of uh, second most priority. Fill in the blanks. The Jets win if what happens? The Jets win if what happens? Um, we're, we have a team that we're successful when we do what, we're, what we've been coached to do. When we execute and we be ourselves, we're successful. So that's what we have to do. We're talking to Jets linebacker Demario Davis, and I look at the New York Jets right now. You guys are two and zero. You got a very winnable game coming up against the Philadelphia Eagles. You possibly could be three and zero. You got a big time defense, ten turnovers in the first two games. You guys are balling. Are the New York Jets for real? Man, we 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 fighting a sixteen round fight, you know. And so this is round three. So we just giving everything that we got. Going into round three, man, and um, we want to want to come out victorious. At the end of the day, it's going to be a very tough challenge. The Eagles are a very tough opponent. Um, it's very it's very hard to win every Sunday, and this Sunday it won't be light by any means. This is a very tough team coming into New York, so we got to play our best football this Sunday to be successful. Um, it's round three of a sixteen round fight, and you know we got to give it everything we got. Let me ask you this now, and, and, and again, contract gear for you, first two games. After the first two games, are, are you happy with you, what you're doing out there? Are you happy with your play? I'm happy any time we win. Um, I'm never I'm never uh, satisfied. I'm, I'm content with what, what, what's been done, but um, I'm always trying to get better uh, day in, day out, do my job better. I'm trying to get a little bit better every single day because I know if I'm getting better, my team is getting better, so – that's just kind of how. That's kind of my daily approach. For sure. So fans, make sure you support this man and his daily approach and his approach to life and his approach to everything. Go to his website, demariodavis56.com. Also hit him up on Twitter at demario underscore davis. Support all the great things going on with Demario Davis and the New York Jets and everything going on with him. Again, demario davis56. Dot com Twitter at Demario underscore Davis. Support all the great things going on with him. Demario, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you guys nothing but the best of luck on Sunday. Let's do it again. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you. I enjoyed it. For sure. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Demario Davis, linebacker for the New York Jets. Big football game coming up for the New York Jets. Even bigger football game coming up for the 0-2 Philadelphia Eagles. And let's go look at some of the 0-2s. And let's start with 0-2 Philadelphia. And that's the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles, you know, not a good performance in the first half against the Atlanta Falcons. They come on strong in the second half against the Atlanta Falcons. They miss a a 44-yard field goal by Cody Parkey, the opportunity to go up and possibly win that football game. And then they just laid a a big-time egg, dud, whatever you want to say, against the Dallas Cowboys, and and it was bad. It was bad. It was unexpected. It was just not a good situation for the Philadelphia Eagles. They played bad football. And and a game that was very, very important to that football team, a game that, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, the Eagles can't afford to go 2-0-2. And, and and again, here's what's at stake with 0-2. 0-2 means 12% chance of making the playoffs. That's what 0-2 means. 
12%. Not 50, not 60, not 70, not 80, 12%. Not even 20%. So my point is this. You got to get right, football team, 0-2 teams. You got to get right. But the Philadelphia Eagles, 0-2 right now. I look at their offensive line, struggling, guard play, tough, struggling. Struggling. I mean, the, the, the guard play, Barbary, Gardner, you know, they replaced Harriman's and Evan Mathis. So far, not very good. You look at the run game, they can't get started. DeMarco Murray led the league in rushing last season. Guess what? 11 yards after two games, an average of 5.5 yards per game. You rate that out over what? A full season, that's about 100 yards. Obviously, he's going to get more than that. But anyway, I think with the Philadelphia Eagles, a lot of people fell in love with this football team after the preseason. A lot of people fell in love after what they saw in the preseason, especially after what they saw against the Green Bay Packers, where Sam Bradford was just absolutely ridiculous. And I was like, after I saw that game, I was like, whoa. I'm like, whoa. And then I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm, you know, I'm listening around. I'm, I'm hearing comparisons. I think Ron Jaworski, comparison to Dan Marino and, and, and Sal Palatonio making some comparisons to – to, to Joe Montana, and I'm like, well, I'm like pumped the brakes. You know, you're talking about all-time, all-time great quarterback. You're talking about maybe the greatest quarterback ever in Joe Montana, and you're talking about maybe the best, the greatest pure passer in the history of this league in Dan Marino. And you compare Sam Bradford to him? But anyway, Sam Bradford struggled. Two touchdowns, four interceptions. He looked horrible against the Dallas Cowboys, absolutely horrible. His receivers didn't help him much, but he looked horrible. And I look at this Philadelphia Eagles team 0-2. I don't see it turning this. I don't think they turn this thing around. I, I'm, I'm on the, of the belief that this can go the other way, like, uh, you know, falling off the table type situation. I mean, I, I look at this Eagle team and, you know, are, are you looking at this team and, their quarterback doesn't scare you. Their running game doesn't scare you. Defensively, they're solid. But their secondary's been giving up some plays. Their $63 million man and, and Byron Maxwell's been giving up some plays. But I, I just look at this team and I got questions. I got questions. You know, I, I got questions about whether or not this offensive line can turn this thing around. Whether or not DeMarco Murray, in fact, is the right person for the job. You know, you had Shady. You know, your wide receivers, they're not really much to write home about. They haven't been really setting the world on fire. Nelson Aguilar, the rookie. You know, you got got uh, Riley Cooper, who I don't know how Riley Cooper's doing this league. He's bad. You know, Jordan Matthews is solid. But other than that, you know, Zach Ertz has been, you know, a little slowed. But Josh Huff has been nothing. Aguilar has been nothing. Cooper has been nothing. And Miles Austin has been nothing. So a lot of nothing from your wide receiver position. You get a lot of nothing, and you're not going to get something. And that something is victories. But I, I just look at this wide receivers, and I'm like, that was one of my questions. You let D-Jax, Deshaun Jackson, go two years ago, but you brought in Jeremy Macklin, and he had a big-time year. You didn't want to pay him. 
Now he's gone. So you, you theoretically let two number one wide receivers go in consecutive seasons. Woo! Expect to replace that. You let Shady McCoy, and I know you got DeMarco Murray and Ryan Matthews, but Shady balled out in this offense. Shady almost had 3,000 yards in two seasons in this offense. Shady led the league in rushing in this offense. So you let that go too. And at some point, you just can't keep letting these things go. You know, you, you let a decent nickel corner out the door and Brandon Boykin. You let an all-pro, pro bowl guard walk out the door and Evan Mathis. You let Todd Harriman's walk out the door. And you didn't replace the position. The Philadelphia Eagles are in trouble. And there's a side of me. Uh, and, and, and full disclosure... Lifelong Eagles fan. Lifelong Eagles fan. Love the Eagles. All my life. There's a side of me, and I hate to admit it, but there's a side of me that might want to see this explode, blow up in the face of Chip Kelly, this mad scientist, this mad genius. He's just a guy who rubs me the wrong way. And... It, it, you know, just he's a guy who thinks he knows more than everyone else. And and then, you know what? It's not necessarily a bad attitude to have sometimes. It's good to have confidence in your ability. It, it, it's good to have belief in your system, belief in what you bring to the table, belief in your theories and your ideologies and your beliefs. That's good to have. It's good to believe in your beliefs. It, it, it's good. That's good. That's good. But at some point, and, and here's the thing with Chip Kelly. Here's the thing. If the Philadelphia Eagles, if this thing falls apart, and if, if this thing really falls apart, and it's a great possibility that it does, if this thing falls apart in Philadelphia, the, fun, the, the thing about it is, Chip can't blame Howie Roseman. Chip can't blame Jeffrey Lurie. The only person Chip Kelly can blame is Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly was the re- was the person who decided to release Deshaun Jackson. Chip Kelly was the person who decided. He decided to not resign Jeremy Macklin. Chip Kelly was the person who decided to release Evan Mathis. Chip Kelly was the person who decided to keep Riley Cooper on his roster and, oh, by the way, sign him to a five-year, $25 million deal. Chip Kelly was the reason. These are all. This is Chip. This is Chip's team. He not only bought the groceries and, and picked out the groceries, now he's, he bought his groceries and now he's looking to cook these groceries and he's like, man, this is, this, this, this is not the recipe that I thought I had is not coming out right. Chip Kelly has really, he has no one else to blame but himself if this thing falls apart 
and there's a good possibility that it does. But there's also a good possibility with the way the NFC East is, if Chip Kelly and the Eagles can turn this thing around, that the Eagles can win the division. But your quarterback has been skittish. Your running back and your run game can't get off the ground. Your wide receivers aren't making plays. Your $63 million man is getting burnt like toast. And right now you're 0-2, and you look dreadful. What, six out of the eight quarters you played thus far? So the Eagles at 0-2. And can this Philadelphia Eagles team turn this around? They have a chance. They're in a good situation with their division and everything, with, with Tony Romo being out. But can they really turn this around? I don't think they do. I think this thing goes the other way. I think this thing falls off the table big time. And, and I said this. I said this. Here's the thing. I said this could fall apart. I said this could blow up in his face. And, and you look at the Eagles and, you know, 20 wins in the last two seasons for Chip Kelly, 20 wins in two seasons. But I think people fail to forget this. You know, Ray Rhodes, many moons ago with the Philadelphia Eagles, not only won two games his first season, first two seasons, but also won a playoff game. He got some power. You know, John Harris was drafted. He was a bust. They never found a quarterback. Chip Kelly, we fast forward to 2015. Chip Kelly, first two, vict- first two seasons, 10 win, vict- 10 win seasons, make it to the playoffs. They lose to the Saints. But at the end of the day, Chip Kelly is still has not found his quarterback. And that could lead to the, the, the demise and the end of the Chip Kelly regime in Philadelphia. And ultimately, that led to the end of Ray Rhodes in Philadelphia. He never found a quarterback. From Ty Detmer to Rodney Pete to Bobby Hoying, it never worked out in Philly for Ray Rhodes after those first two seasons. We're going to bring in a guy now, Hall of Famer, Willie Rose. Willie, how are you? I'm glad to be here. Ray Rose, that's the name for the past right there. Uh, question for you. So, when if your quarterback's not playing good, when do you go back to Mark Sanchez? Mark Sanchez played great at some points last year. Remember, he beat Dallas in Dallas last year. I mean, until the end, Mark Sanchez was play, I mean, he was playing amazing football for for uh, for some weeks there when he was in Philadelphia last year. He had some moments. You know, he, he I think he was Mark's, typical Mark Sanchez, good moments, bad moments. But I'll say this, you know, and especially after last week's performance by Sam Bradford, he was awful. You know, against the Falcons, that second half, he was good. Against the Cowboys, he was awful the whole game. So I think if you're down early against the Jets at halftime, let's just say you're down, you know, 17 and nothing, and your offense isn't moving the football, Sam Bradford's struggling, and – I think you would make the move. I think you should make the move to Mark yeah, Sanchez. Yeah, you have no really choice. Do. I think you do because at that point, we, if we you look at numbers. Oh. You can't, you can't. But I'm saying, Paul, you got to make a move. If your quarterback's not doing anything, you got to make a move, just like the situation in Washington right now. I mean, I, I don't understand why you kept RG3 when you can't play him because if he gets hurt, he's guaranteed $16 million, Then why keep the guy? And my thing also, yeah, to your point, yes, you're right. But also, I look at um, I I, I look at uh, uh, Kirk Cousins. He's not that good. And and I'm like, okay, you know, RG three can't be that bad. 
I'm not saying RG3's been good over the past couple seasons, but he's better than Kirk Cousins. And and, and my thing is, what are you doing with him? Either you're going to play, like you said, either you're going to play him or you got you you release him. You got to make a decision. I think I think on some level it's almost unfair to RG3, but at the same time it's probably a good thing for RG3 that he's doing being humbled and and just you know he's in the background and that's probably not a bad thing for RG3 at this point in his career. But I I think at some point if you're the Washington Redskins, you got to make a decision either way. You're either on board or you're not. You have no choice. Right. You got to make a choice. But but, but we've already said, agreed that RG three is going. If if he's going to revive his career, it's it's not going to be in DC. I mean, that's just it's just a bad situation, and uh, they need to make a move. And and I think I think they draft a quarterback after this year. But but uh, I mean, Cousins Cousins had protection yesterday. Uh, Those balls just were not getting there. No, no. I mean, he he had opportunities to get that ball to to some of his guys out there. And like you said, he just couldn't get it there. And to me, it's just not good enough. And, you know, Washington will be in the market for a quarterback at some point in time. And so we'll see who that will be, whatever that will will happen. Let's look around. You know, the Giants last night, yesterday, they were 0-2. They turned around and ultimately won that football game. But right now we got a lot of we got a, a lot of 0-2 football teams right now out here. We got a lot of 0-2 football teams out here right now. And and as I'm looking at some of these 0-2 football teams, we'll, we'll go through them. We'll go through them. Let's start with your New Orleans Saints. They are 0-2. 0-2. Drew Brees isn't playing this week against the Carolina Panthers because of his shoulder. They are 0-2 football team. Saints done. Can we stick a fork in them at this point? Oh man! Um, I mean, I'm not gonna say they're done. I mean, I, I want to see what this kid's gonna do. You know, Luke McNair. Obviously, I'm a little biased. He, I think he played at La Tech, Mom Um You know, maybe they, maybe they need some fresh blood in there. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But, but the problem is they haven't been able to run the ball. I mean, if they're not able to run the ball. And they go up there and play against Cam, and they let Cam and them get rolling in Carolina. It could get real ugly in Carolina. But 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 defensively, they still. I don't. The cornerbacks, the secondary is just not that good. I mean, they're right. just not good on the back end. I mean, and they're not getting, they're not getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So I I don't know. It, it just it just seems like it seems like. I mean, Paul, in, in the history of the Saints, home, it, hadn't done, it hadn't been done since the 70s. Even as bad as we were some of those years, we went 3-13. We didn't lose six at home right. in a row. I mean, six in a row in the Superdome? <laughs> Just, you know, you would have never thought it would have happened with, with a Sean Payton team. Something's not right with the team. I don't know what it is, but something's not right. I mean, this is at the end of the day they're just not talented enough. That that right might be they're just not talented enough. Well, who did you blame that on? Um. Well, I, I guess well, before the, the day, day he was doing a great job. He was drafting guys late in the draft. He got he got Colston late in the draft. He got Javari Parker uh, uh, Evans, who's been all pro yep. late in the draft. You know, you got the kid in left tackle from UAPB for a while there. He was making the best 
the best draft picks and picking up guys that would that would do a great job for the team. Now the guys he the acquisitions all haven't been that good, and some of the picks haven't worked out. You know, you 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 they're big they're just like y'all paid uh, the the deep in the back from um that's just getting beat a lot all the money. Maxwell. They pay Bird the cornerback from the safety from from uh from uh from Buffalo. Buffalo. That that was their big money player and he didn't dress last week. And he missed all of last year. Remember with a meniscus tear. So if, if the problem is when you go acquire a guy, if you give him too much money and the guy doesn't produce and he's guaranteed so much money, it messes everything up. And, and I mean the thing about the NFL, you know, Sometimes, you know, teams try to plug in players into certain systems, certain situations, and that player may have had a lot of success in their previous situation, but you plug them in into another situation, another system, and it just doesn't work. just doesn't work. And, you know, Bird and you hasn't can't overpay able... a guy, because if you overpay a guy and he's trapped with that guaranteed contract, then you can't move him. You're stuck with him. Right. Yeah, yeah, at least for a period of time, for sure. So, I mean, it doesn't help that Junior Gallette had his issues, and ultimately you had to re- release him. I mean, that, that doesn't help. I mean, he's a no, guy. Junior Gallette was hurt this year, Paul. But last year, didn't he lead oh, yeah, the he league in hurt. sacks? He, I mean, but he led the league in the team in sacks the last year too. I mean, so he was your, you know, your 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 best your best pass rusher. You know, he got hurt. He got released. He had the situation with the with the female and everything, and the you know domestic violence and all that stuff. But ultimately, he got released, and then ultimately blew his Achilles to Washington anyway. But I mean, that's a big part of your of your defense, and you don't have that now. I mean, I, I'm I had the Saints win in the NFC South, and as I look at it now, two weeks into another, it, another 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 thing I'll say now too, Paul. And I, and I want to put this: when you're a football player, when you go to training camp and, and everything, when we played, it wasn't fun. It was tough. It was hard. You stayed in the dorm room. You slept on a twin bed. I think some of that, in a way, makes you tougher and ready to play and want to get out of there. You know, when you go to training camp and you're at a real, real nice resort, you got your family there. You got everybody around you. You know, you got the golf course. That's you, you go. You play football, especially at camp. It's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be a grind. You're supposed to hate camp. You're supposed to, you know, it's not. It's supposed. It's not supposed to be enjoyable. You see my point? And right. You can't hit. You can't put on pads for twelve times during the season. You know, especially linemen. We weren't harder than everybody. Anybody on the team. That's. They, uh, I heard Woodlock made a great great point. They can't practice. Some of these offensive lines are terrible. I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's bad to watch. And and it, they, they they don't have enough time to hit. They can't do this. They they want to cut back on so much. They I think all the cutting back has hurt. The, it's starting to hurt the product. Now it's starting to catch up with the product in the NFL on the field because these guys don't have enough time to do what they need to do. You know where we did a lot. You know, a lot more in training camp, especially early when I came in the league, than we did in the off season. But we did a lot. I mean, these guys just don't have enough time, and and I think to a certain point, you know, they wanted all the scoring and all the high powered offense, but it's affecting the product. And I mean, and, and to your point, I mean, the players kind of fought for for that, and 
you know, limiting the amount of padded practices and things of that nature. I, I, you're saying basically at the end of the day that's coming back to hurt the game in a lot of ways because guys aren't able to fully, fully prepare and practice. And, and so on some level, you're not, you're, you're, you're almost not learning on the job per se, but you're, you're, you're kind of getting all the kinks out during the games. And so, you're getting the kinks out respect. during the games. You're getting the kinks out, you know, right. because then you're not practicing in the preseason because you don't want to get anybody hurt. And these guys aren't learning, understanding how to play football and practicing against each other enough to even learn how to play. You know, and 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 then you're playing the first few games. Now you're getting the kicks out trying to. You're still working on technique and stuff, but it's you're not doing it in training camp. You're doing it during the season. Right. For sure, we're we're, we're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rose. So we we can agree that the Saints are probably done. I'm not gonna say that just yet. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's look at. I don't want them to be done because I think if they're done, it's gonna be some. It's gonna be. If you're done and you got the highest paid coach in the league, then you can blame any the defensive coordinator, whatever they brought in the co-defensive coordinator. You know, it might be some changes. I mean, it's, you can't. You know, Nick Saban is one of the highest paid coaches in the league, but look. Every year, Nick Saban's Alabama's in the top ten players in the top ten team in the NFL in the in college football. Okay, right. You see my point? But, yeah, but but Sean Payton, he's won Super Bowls. You know, he and, and I'll say he won one, one Super Bowl. That was two thousand nine. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. We we look at we we saw what happened during that Bounty Gate season when Sean Payton was gone for the year, and and we saw what happened the following year when he came back. You know, that defense played well. The team got to the playoffs. And, you know, my my point is that. My point is this. I mean, Sean Payton, I think, is still one of the top coaches in this league. I, I think you, you, you're still you're still okay at the coaching but, but, position. But, but sometimes, like we said about change is good. I mean, since they went to the playoffs, how, how, how good is the team been? Well, I mean, last Sean year. Is, Sean Payton is going to get Drew Brees. So that whole right. era between 2006 and now, talking about Sean Payton and Drew Brees. If Drew Brees right. isn't there, you know, now we're now we're starting. You know what I'm saying? It was all about the system. It was all about that offense. Not about nobody could slow them down. It was kind of new and trendy. Well, they're not doing that anymore. I mean, you couldn't. The Saints were throwing for five thousand yards a year. They were moving the ball with the screen pass. The one year they went to the Super Bowl, they had running back by committee. I mean, prolific, prolific, and it's not. And people have caught up with what they're doing, you know. And now everybody's questioning. Even though I understand to a point, why did you get rid of Jimmy Graham? You know, you got one of the best tight ends in the NFL, which was a key weapon with that offense. And you basically gave him away. Yeah, well, you, you, you did get Max Hunger, and I believe also you got number one. You got so you got you got something. You got you got something, but you, you know Jimmy Graham was a big part of what the New Orleans Saints did. And you look at the Saints last year. I mean, that was was uh, uh, a very winnable division last season, and 
like you said, they weren't playing. They're not playing good at the Dome, and that was always a constant that, you know, the Saints in the Dome was, was almost a guaranteed victory in a lot of ways. And now... I mean, if you, if you remember that year they, the year they won, I'm, I'm going to tell you how good they were. The year they won that Super Bowl when they played at the Dome, the Patriots came in there. The year they had Randy Moss and, and Tom Brady. I don't know if it was the year, the year after they set that record. They blew them out so bad in the third quarter. Tom Brady and Randy Moss were standing on the sideline watching. I mean, they totally demoralized the New England Patriots that year in the Super Bowl. They took them out the game. And when and they, when, they was, when they did the pages like that, I said, okay, these, these guys these guys are are doing are, are playing at another level this year. And they won the Super Bowl. And, and and all I'm saying is, for for the Saints to lose six in a row at home, I mean six in a row, uh, uh, Paul. Something's it, it's not right. Like. It, it is unsaints like. Not it, that was sure. champagne. <laughs> For sure. I mean, I don't want to say they're done either. I'm, I'm, I want to say I want to say they're so done. So I'm but saying I'm, if, I'm they're, not... if they're done this year, if they're done this year, Paul, if you're saying that, then what's going to happen next year? Then Drew Brees is getting a year older. I think you're going you, to think... you're gonna, you're not, not going to be able to pay him all that money. You got to go and address the quarterback position. You got to go and address the defense. I mean, the defense is just isn't doing it. I, I you think got what you going to do, fire the defensive coordinator? You, you probably bring in a new defensive coordinator. I think you still bring back this coach and this quarterback. And I think you give it one more run. You try to solidify the defense and, and take it from there. I mean, I, I think that's what you do if you're the Saints, if this thing falls apart. But I, I, I don't think Carolina is that great, and I don't think Atlanta's that great. So Yeah, but, Carolina, but see, Carolina, you got to understand, though, it has nothing to do, Carolina, Atlanta versus the Saints, it's always personal. And you got Cam Newton and them guys up there 2-0 licking their chops, waiting for the Saints to come in there slipping. It's, it's personal. Those games are different. It's like the Eagles against the Cowboys. Them. It right. doesn't matter. Those games are always personal. And, and, and they're close. And it's going to be, I'm telling you, if they, if they jump on them, they're going to try to embarrass them. That's all I'm telling you. And, and, and we'll see if your boy, your Louisiana Tech boy, uh, Luke McCown, can get it done. Um, the the odds are against it, but let me just throw this one stat at you: 0 and 2, your chances of making the playoffs are 12 percent. 0 and 3, your chances of making the playoffs are down to about 1 percent. So you know, uh, it, it says basically the Saints need to win this game or their season could be over. You know, the Seahawks are 0 and 2, but they got Cam Chancellor coming back. I think ultimately they turn this thing around. You know, they're 0-2, but they're not going to be 0-2 no, forever. Yeah, everybody's going to say that, of course. They're a good football team. They're, if anybody's going to turn it around, it's going to be the Seahawks. If anybody's going to turn it around, they got a good football team. They play two tough games. You lose to Green Bay at Green Bay, that's a tough game to win, even if they got everybody there. So, right. and, and, you know, they beat Green Bay last year in, in, in that big game, which Green Bay had a chance to win. So, of course, Seattle – uh, still have a chance to be all right. I will say this: the division has gotten better. Uh, Arizona's playing better. St. Louis is a better football team. That division is on the rise because they they playing against Seattle and they see what Seattle's done. But uh, if, if we look at that, I will say Seattle will be the team that could turn around and make the playoffs with a one-two start. And, and in Seattle, they get Cam Chancellor back, and 
you know, he, he ends his holdout. He comes on back. You know, he had three years still left on his deal, so it, this was a tough holdout, and it was going to be a tough situation. Yeah, he, really he, didn't he, have, he, he had no he left. He just signed but, that deal in 2013. I mean, they're not going to redo that deal. You just signed a deal, right. you just signed a deal not even two years ago. They're well, not going to redo that deal. Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. You know, he whatever leverage that he had, you know, and he had he started he had some leverage after going zero and two, some leverage, but he really didn't have no leverage. But my thing is, if you stayed out this long, and maybe it started to get a little tight financially, you know, a lot of these guys be living paycheck to paycheck, so maybe it got a little tight financially, and he was like, you know what, let me go on back. I'm missing this money. I I, I can't afford to miss this money. I got bills to pay. You know, I got people to feed. And and at the end of the day, I got to come on back. And and maybe who knows? Maybe Seattle said, "Well, you know what? Maybe we'll we'll take care of you." Like wink, wink. You know, behind closed door type situation. I mean, ultimately, they need Cam Chancellor, and at this point, Cam Chancellor needs them. So I mean, it, it was a bad holdout to begin with. You know, at, at the end of the day, if he's going to be mad at someone, he should be mad at himself. But he cashed in early. Instead of waiting, he, he took the money. Instead of waiting, and, and when, what, 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 if you compare salaries, what's his base salary compared to Earl? Earl, the the, corner, the other safety, how much is he making compared uh, to the top safety? I, I know Earl Thomas just signed that new deal, so he got a bunch of money. Um, so you know, but ain't Cam making five six million a year? He better make about five six million a year. He's scheduled to make what? five million. He was scheduled to make five million in twenty sixteen. That's his base salary. Yeah, but, four, he's making four million this base this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but how much up front did he get? What is his base? What is? I mean, what is the average in a year on the whole? I think he got. I don't know what the signing bonus was. What he signed for? I think up front he got five million. It's four years. Okay. Uh, twenty eight million, five million, uh, guaranteed signing bonus. So, four years. I mean, he's making seven a year. That's not bad. I mean, he's not making ten, but he's making. And, he's and how, how old is he? Camp Chancellor is, I mean, can't, and, and to your point, I mean, he is one. Of, he's one of the best centers, uh, one of the best safeties in football. So you know, you can understand him wanting to get paid, but you cash in, you cash in. He's twenty-seven years old. So well, he'll, he'll sign another. Now, uh, now uh, how much is the top safeties making? Top safety making? Top five? Well, you got you got Earl. I don't have top five in front of me, but, you know, Earl Thomas, you know, he's making some big-time money. He's making some big-time money. He's one of the best safeties. I mean, they got the best safety tandem in football. They got the best safety tandem in football. So, you know, that's Earl Thomas. He, he signed a four-year, $40 million extension. With yeah, he's making uh, 10 a year, but, but, yeah. but Cam was a fifth-round pick. Earl was a top 10, 15 pick. You right. get, that's what he signed the deal. You get slotted. I mean, if you're a first round pick, if you're if you're playing good, on your next deal, obviously you're probably gonna make more money than Cam. Cam was a fifth round pick, so he he didn't come in making the money Earl was making. I mean, that's right. part of it. He shouldn't, like you said, he shouldn't have carried the chips in. But I mean, he's making good money, seven a year, and he signed a four year deal. He'll 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 have a chance. He has what he has two more years left on this deal after this three year. Years. He'll, he'll, three years? No, after after this year. Oh, after your two years. Two years. So, yeah, he'll play next year, and if, if he doesn't restructure it, then you deal with it. But everybody can't make all the money. I mean, he's making very good money 
on their football team. Now, another issue I do see with Seattle, though, Paul, is they do have, they haven't been able to run the ball consistently. And, 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 and that line did not look good against, if you remember, against, uh, against uh, the Rams. They didn't look good. Even against Green Bay, they weren't that great. They haven't, they haven't run the ball. So, yeah. same thing we're talking about. Seattle offense is generated by running the football. If they're not able to run the football, they're going to have some problems, too. So they got to get Beast Mode going. Beast Mode has been the key to that machine for the last four or five years, getting Beast Mode going, play action, then Russell Wilson using his feet some. But they've always been able to run the ball consistently, and they haven't been able to do it this year. And you look at, not to go back to Cam Chancellor for a moment, look at a guy like Jerry Bird who cashed in last offseason, uh, six years, sixty-six years, fifty-four million, but twenty-six in guarantee, and Earl Thomas four years, forty, but twenty-seven million in guarantee. So, you know, these guys cashed in, and and you most definitely Cam Chancellor is better than Jarius Bird. But everything in life and football, it's all about timing. Jarius Bird was a free agent, right moment, right time, and he got ultimately got paid. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rofe, and, and and Willie, you know, we, we look at Cleveland now, the Cleveland Browns. You know, Johnny Manziel's going back to the bench. Josh McCown is back in. He had the concussion week one against the New York Jets, but he's back for the uh, Cleveland Browns. Obviously, the Browns believe that he gives them the best opportunity to win. Here's my thing with it. I, I know he gives them the best opportunity to win, but I think you need to develop a quarterback. And, you know, Johnny wasn't great, but Johnny hasn't been bad. You know, he's he's learning. To me, if I'm the Browns, I think about the future and I think I stick with Johnny Manziel. But your thoughts on that? I agree with you. I mean, how, how you Johnny had a big win last week? How do you pull Johnny and, and take him out of the starting lineup about the way he played last week? He made some big throws in that game. I mean, I don't understand how you pull Johnny. It seems like he's getting better. It seems like he's focused. You know, he, he, he's, he's committed to playing the game. Um, if I'm gonna play the other quarterback, he's gonna be on a short leash. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to see what some of these coaches are doing with with the quarterbacks. And uh, you know, um, after that big win, I, I thought I thought I thought Johnny would be the starter this week. I, I thought so too. I mean, I, I really did. And again, he's not lighting the world on fire. He was only eight for fifteen hundred seventy-two yards, two touchdowns last week. But he won. He's young. And, you know, obviously you drafted him in the first round with the belief that he could be your franchise quarterback. And I don't think the Browns have an opportunity to win this year. So I, I would have stuck with Manziel. But, again, you know, maybe. And he, uh, he, 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 he stretched the field. He threw some bombs out there, too, now. It's not yeah. easy, uh, he's there 8 for 15, but two of those were some, 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 some bombs he threw. So, you know, when you throw the ball on the field like that, and some, we didn't see Alex Smith throw the ball like that in the this year, last year, so you, I mean, he he stressed the field. That keeps the defense honest. For sure, for sure, and 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 he he made some made a couple plays last week, and but obviously they believe that uh, McCown gives them the best opportunity to win. We'll see if that continues to happen. Let's get out of here on this. Tony Romo out eight to ten weeks. Brandon Weeden gets the start coming up against the Atlanta Falcons. They also reached. They also have. Uh, Traded for Matt Castle as well. Do the Cowboys, can the Cowboys keep this going? Without Des Bryant, without Tony Romo, 
And, but fortunately enough for the Dallas Cowboys, they play in the NFC East, and there's a lot of uncertainty to, uncertainty in the NFC East. But can the Cowboys keep this thing moving? I think I think with I think with uh, I think those I think the quarterbacks they picked up a vet, so that that, will, that that's be, I I love the way that the, the kid uh, the other receiver he he's a, he's the number one receiver. If uh, he, he's a starter, a number one receiver on some teams, and he played like a number one receiver against the Eagles last week. So I like the defense. As long as they got the defense and you got an offensive line, there's a blocking and blocking. I see the and above 500 teams, those guys get back. And, uh, you know, they got a veteran team. They got experience. So I don't, I don't see – I see them maybe losing some games, but like I, like you said, I don't see them slowing down that much. I still – I still think – Gonna win, win their fair share in the next seven eight weeks. And uh, how long is it gonna be till they get another weapon on defense? Greg, how many more games is Hardy Hardy out? Then they lost his suspension. He got four games, so he's got what two you more. He's got two more he, games. Yeah, so you get right. quarterback on defense. Yeah, you get a guy who can rush the passer. Then you got Rolando McClain coming back from his suspension in two more weeks. So you're right. I mean. I, I I think they can keep this thing moving. Um, and you got Sean Lee who didn't. You got Sean Lee who didn't play last year. Who's playing like the MVP of the league, deep of the league right now. He's playing. He's he's getting it done. He's getting it done. Had a, a beautiful interception last week against the Philadelphia Eagles. So I, I I agree. I think the Cowboys can keep this thing moving. We'll see if the Cowboys keep this thing moving. Should be interesting. We'll see uh, what happens. And, 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 uh, another thing, Paul. You know, I'm just saying, Paul. That about to go back to the Saints. It's, 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 I mean, as much as they've done for the city, Katrina, you know, to go to that NFC Championship game in 2006, all the positive stuff they did, I mean, it was bad for them for it to go out on a, on a bad note. And and I don't, I don't know, you know, Drew Brees, I mean, I don't know how many throws he's got left, and I understand he got hit, but Drew Brees didn't six four six five. Like Tom Brady and, and some of these other Peyton and these guys, he's a smaller guy. You know, I mean, you okay. got to, you know, he's 35, 36 years old. You, you, nobody can play forever. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. And and we'll see. You know, I, I mean, I, we'll see if the Saints can turn this thing around. It's going to be difficult, but not impossible. It's, and we see many times, you know, teams who lost their quarterback, the odds stacked against them. We've seen those teams come out and have – big-time performances. So we'll see if that would be the case this week with your New Orleans Saints. But, again, as I tell you, they now have the history tells you 0-2, a 12% chance to make the playoffs, 0-3, a 1% chance to make the playoffs. So you better get it done this week. It's going to be tough for Carolina because uh, I'm telling you, those Panthers, uh, those Panthers are, are, you know, they know how to win. They know how to win. And Cam, Cam doesn't seem like he's turning the ball over. It seems like it seems like since he got that, I think I think the last couple of years Cam was pressing because he really wanted that contract. Seems like since he got that contract, to me, it seems like he's just playing with a little more. With a little, he's playing good. He's, he's just playing freer now. He's not pressing, worried about getting the contract. Yeah, I mean, obviously it helps to get paid, and you know, I, I heard many guys say, you know, that the pressure once you get paid, the pressure is kind of off in a lot of ways because you're working so hard to get paid. Now, once you get paid, now you can just go out and play your game. And, you know, we'll see 
uh, if that happens with Cam Newton this week, if he goes out and plays a game, gets get it done against your New Orleans Saints, and we'll see what happens there. Willie, pleasure talking to you, man. Nothing but the All best. Right, we'll do it again. All right. Hall of Famer, Willie Rove. Uh, loving his Saints. You know, he, he loving his Saints. And, you know, he's not trying to – he's fighting a good fight with his Saints. He's trying not to give up on his Saints. But it's going to be difficult. It's going to be rough. We'll see what happens. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the one, the only, the only licensed African-American female by NASCAR, Tia Norfleet. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs, time. In the playoffs, time, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> we see what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around you. I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on, Come on, now. Come on now. That's early. <laughs> That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's cold blooded. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- and we're back. Go for it. BlockTalkRadio.com. Paul Kane here talking sports, having fun doing it. We're going to bring in somebody now. Um, you know, they they made history, the first and only licensed African-American uh, female by NASCAR, Tia Norfleet. She had some controversy back in 2013, questioning uh, her age, questioning whether or not she was licensed by NASCAR. So she had a rough 2013, but now she's looking to relaunch, rebrand, and, and get on out there. Let's bring her in now, the first and only African-American woman to be licensed by NASCAR, the one, the only Tia Norfleet. Tia, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. And, and Tia, as we said, you are the first licensed African-American woman in the history of NASCAR. Talk about what it means to be the first. Um. Well, <laughs> when um, I started, I really didn't set out to be the first. I just wanted to race, and I just happened to be a um an African American woman, you know. Um again, it wasn't something that I set out to do. Um seeing my dad race pretty much all of my life, I was inspired by him and I knew that I mean I could be great at it and with his knowledge and everything, you know, um it just it just sparked a fire in me and I just wanted to race. I really didn't look at color or gender or anything like that. I just wanted to be a driver. And as you said, your dad, uh, NASCAR driver Bobby Norfleet, it's in the blood. So, you know, it's only natural that you would love racing as well. But when did you fall in love with auto racing? What age? Um... Well, for as far back as I could remember, my dad has been involved in some form of motorsports, whether it was drag racing or motorcycles. I remember him having, like, all these different cars in the garage, and he's fixing on them and building motors and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, when you're a child, 
your dreams and aspirations change on a daily basis. So, you know, um, I would say around about when I became a teenager, that's when I really, really realized that um, I could make a career out of this, and it was something that I really wanted to do. For sure. And, you know, obviously we've seen Danica Patrick out there having success on the NASCAR circuit. She's out there. She's racing. Have you talked to Danica? What kind of advice has she given you? No, I haven't talked to Danica, um, but I'm so proud of her. You know, she's um, an inspiration, I believe, to all women that want to do this sport, you know, because we get we get a little slack, you know, because we are females, you know. But, um, no, she I haven't talked to her personally. I would love to talk to her one day. Um, but just her doing her thing, going out there, uh, going against the odds, it's just it's so inspiring to me. We're talking to a race car driver, Tia Northfleet. And, Tia, along the way, along your journey, there was some controversy a couple of years back about your NASCAR license, about your age. At this point, do you feel like you moved past all that? Um, you know, there's always going to be something said. You, um, there's Especially when you're trying to break barriers and, and do something that's out of the norm. Um, there's always obstacles being put in your way. For me, you know, I looked at it as a, a lesson well learned, and I took it. And, I mean, I'm already a tough girl, so it just made me even tougher because there's a lot of sharks out here, and there's a lot of people out here that don't want to see you succeed. So, you know, I'm I'm over it. You know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. You can't change it. I've, I've never lied about anything. I've, I've always kept it 100. And for people to interpret things the way they want to interpret them, uh, that's their problem, you know. I'm living life. I'm I'm a God-fearing woman. I'm letting God use me in the way that he see fit, and everything else, you know, is really irrelevant to me. Now, how much did your career and your credibility take a hit after this controversy? Oh, it took it, – I mean, I'm going to just be real. It took a hit. It really did because it, at the end of the day, NASCAR is a sponsor-driven sport, and – um, I don't come from money. Like, I'm, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. So in order for me to, um, I pretty much, I've been caught in a catch-22 because it's like, in order for me to get on the track, I have to have a sponsor. And in order for me to get a sponsor, I have to be on the track. And so with that, it put doubt in a lot of people's minds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but I look at it again as a, wes- a lesson learned because I look at it as a lesson because, It showed me a lot of people's true colors, people that were supposedly in my camp. Um, It showed me their true colors and where their um, heart really was. And, you know, I feel like the fall from the top is a lot harder than the fall from the bottom. So I know that with everything, it's about timing, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe that wasn't the time for me to, to... be all I could be. Maybe I had to go through that to learn something. But as far as my credibility, you know, I mean, if people really, really dug deep and read into it and had any kind of common sense, um, it was a lot of contradictions, you know. Um, First, you know, you say I don't have a license, and then you say I raced in one race. So how can I race in a race if I don't have a license? And I would think that NASCAR would be the first people to put out something saying, oh, she's not licensed by us. They never said a thing. Right. So so is there any ill will towards NASCAR? 
There's no ill will towards NASCAR at all, you know, because it is what it is. You know, they NASCAR has never done anything wrong to me. You know, okay. um, there were specific people that worked for NASCAR that had their own agenda, and they're no longer there, you know. Um, they've been fired, and, again, it's all about timing. With those type of people in that arena that already have a personal vendetta for whatever reason because of their own agenda, Um you know, I, you know, it just makes it harder. But you know, again, everything works out for the good. I'm looking at it. At first, I was hurt. I was really hurt because I hadn't done anything to anybody. You know, I'm just a girl out here trying to make it, trying to do what mm-hmm. I love to do. And for someone to just be so malicious for no reason, you know, it just was. It was hurtful. But again, I'm tough. I look at it like, hey, what you meant for my bad, God already worked out for my good. So there's nothing what he has for me. No man can take it away. And so all the all those negative uh, individuals that were in your camp, I'm assuming they're no longer in your camp. Oh, of course not. <laughs> no, no, no. They're not in my camp. <laughs> I don't have time for. I don't have time for all those that. Mm-mm. I don't need a Judas in my camp. <laughs> we're talking to race car driver Tia Norfleet, and. I know, you know, the controversy was two years ago. Do you feel like now you're kind of almost making a comeback from that? You're almost starting all over on some level? Yeah, you know, I mean, people take the media and they really run with it, you know. And instead of having their own opinion and actually looking at the facts, um, they they actually believe everything the media says, and I don't understand that. Um, but right now I'm just – trying to rebrand myself, rebuild my team, and just do me. You know, I mean, it, 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 it's hard, it's difficult, because being um, that, that you know, that slander and all of that negative stuff, you know, it puts a, a, a great cloud over your, you know, not only personally, but over your career, because people actually believe a lot of the stuff that was said, mm-hmm. and they have a perception of me now. And so it's now, it's, instead of me just going out there doing what I love to do, in some form I have to go out there and kind of change their perception of me. And, right. you know, even and it makes it a little harder, especially for the sponsors, you know, because they look at me like, this is a great story, um, this is a good thing, I love it, but... You know, it's always that but, and then they're hesitant. And with, and, and everybody knows when it comes to NASCAR, if you don't have the money or the sponsors to back you up, it's hard. I mean, if you're not born rich, then, you know, you might as well just <laughs> give it up. But I'm I'm not a quitter. For sure, for sure. Now let me ask you, you talked about the sponsors and the importance of having sponsors. Where are you at in terms of securing sponsors? Right now, I'm talking to a couple different um, potential sponsors. Um, again, it's all about, you know, trying to prove myself, you know, to them that I am a great investment. And, um, you know, that's that's really where I'm at, just trying to 
secure it, and and I don't like to talk about things until it's actually done. Um, But everything is looking on the up and up now. I mean, the tables are really turning, and they're turning in my favor. So, you know, I mean, I'm just blessed to still have the fire inside of me because if I was a a weak person and I didn't have the passion that I had for this, I probably would have gave up a long time ago. Why should a sponsor sponsor Tia Norfleet? Um, A sponsor should sponsor me because I'm a heck of a driver. I'm very competitive. And let's be real. Let's just be honest about it. You know, um, I'm very marketable. You know, NASCAR is a moving billboard. Um, You know, it's so many different ways that so many different avenues and so many different opportunities is i mean it's literally endless you know whether it's whether it's a Tia Norfleet um bed sheets for little girls or a Tia Norfleet barb you know Mattel or Power Wheel car or whether mm-hmm. it's this or that you know the opportunity opportunities are absolutely endless but um at the end of the day NASCAR is a business just like any other th- any other business. It's a sport, but it's a business. And right. as far as the business side, I'm very marketable. You know, I'm okay. a, I'm not to toot my own horn, but, you know, I'm a nice-looking young lady. Um, <laughs> and I have uh, more, I'm more than just a driver. I'm a model. I act. Okay. I sing. I write. You know, so, I mean, it's, Again, the opportunities are endless. It's a uncharted territory, and it's right. like I'm sitting on a gold mine, and people, media has put fear in people's, you know, hesitance in people's mind, and they don't want to start digging. Right. Let me ask you this now. I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, you need the sponsors to get to where you need to go. But how are you as a driver at this point? Where, where do you think you're at as a driver? Um, as a driver, no matter how many years you've driven, um, there's always something new to learn, not only in driving, but just in life. You know, there's always something new to learn. I'm a very open-minded person. I'm very um, open to learning, and I like to learn different things and to be very seasoned. But I, I as a driver, I'm I'm competitive. You know, it's just, I mean, it's just that, you know, sometimes you're not given the opportunity Okay. And if you, if you don't have that opportunity, it's hard for you to show what you can do, you know, because you don't you, you're not given the opportunity to do it. But I'm as a driver, I'm great. <laughs> I can, now, what, I, I believe I can compete with any anybody. Okay. Okay. When's the last time you have driven competitively? It's again. It's, it's been a. It's been. It's been a while. Um, since okay. I've driven competitively because I haven't, you know, after the whole media thing and the bad press, um, I had several sponsors on the table ready okay. to, you know, sponsor me. But with all of that, you know, they kind of um, politely backed out. And, again, people really don't understand, like, this sport is unlike football and baseball and basketball where you can go to your local gym or your local court and play and practice for free. I literally have to pay for everything. I can't practice for for free. I have to rent okay. a track. I have to pay a crew. I have to pay um, an EMT to be out there for a minimum of three hours. 
I mean, I have to pay for tires, gas, and so on and so forth. So, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to do without that that financial backing. But right. you know, once you learn how to ride a, a bicycle, you never not know how to ride a bicycle again. <laughs> but um, I'm the last, I practiced at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. That was my last testing um, okay. testing session, and that was um, in August last month. And so right now we're just trying to do a lot of testing and get a lot of seat time because in NASCAR that's what you need. You need a lot of seat mm-hmm. time, and and that's what we're trying to do until we can get that back and to actually run a full season. Now, financially speaking, I mean, you, you talked about the tires, EMT, you know, renting the track, all that good stuff. At the end of the day, if you want to practice, how much out-of-pocket money would it take to actually hold and conduct one practice for yourself? Well, let's just let me just say this: um, the Atlanta Motor Speedway. To rent the Atlanta Motor Speedway for one day is a uh, approximately ten thousand dollars. Okay. Um, and your crew, uh, uh, EMT, is a minimum of three hundred. Um, some places are three hundred an hour, and wow. some just give you a flat a flat fee. And then you have to pay for your crew. And the crew, that just really depends on if you're leasing a crew or if you have your own crew. So that can kind of, you know, that kind of fluctuates a little bit. But, um, yeah, it gets pretty, it it depends. It depends on the track that you're at because each track has their own price. Um, And, yeah, I mean, that was just an example. The Atlanta Motor Speedway is like 10 10 G. So, so I mean, door, you know, <laughs> you're talking about what, fifteen, fifteen grand? Yeah, at a minimum, Roughly. you're probably paying fifteen. You, yeah, at that, I mean, that's at a minimum. And then if your crew isn't, see, I live in Georgia, so say for instance, my crew was in Atlanta, Atlanta based, so I have to pay for them to come here. Okay. Their travel expenses, their, you know, everything. So yeah, it gets. It, it's it's um, it's pretty hefty, but you know the good side of it is you know with everything that's going on and and I mean just for example, Danica is like one of the top paid athletes, you know. Mm-hmm. And with NASCAR, it's a sponsor driven sport where all of the money comes in and not too much of the money goes back out. But for me, since I'm a um, I'm a non-traditional driver. I'm not. I'm out of the norm. You know, I have so many different ways, so many different angles to go to get that ROI. Say I get an investor. You know, I have. I mean, endorsements and and I look at it as an eighty twenty. You know, I mean, a lot of the money that's made is off of the track, and mm-hmm. that's just the truth with any driver. Most most of the money that's made is off the track. Not to not to throw Danica under the bus or anything because I love her, but just this is just an example. Danica has never won a race in NASCAR, right. but she's the she's the top paid one of the top paid drivers there is, you know. Mm-hmm. And even the ones that that have won races, you probably don't even know their name um, because it's about who can bring the most positive exposure to your sponsor. They people okay. I talk to people all the time and they think that Danica is the first woman to ever you know race because her media and her marketing is so out there that it makes it everybody else's minute. Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. So uh, at the end of the day, it's all about 
as we say over and over, it's about sponsors and, and, and you know, finalizing yeah. that and getting all that in order. We're talking to race car driver Tia Norfleet. And Tia, your ultimate dream is the Daytona 500. When do you yeah. see that dream coming true? When, when, do, when When's that going to happen for you? Oh, man. I I would love, if it was up to me, it would, <laughs> it would happen in February. But I don't think that's going to happen that soon. Um, but I, I'm, I would say roughly within the next five years. That's, I'm working on that goal within the next five, hopefully sooner than that. But, you know, I mean, it's again, it's all about that timing. Right, right. And everything in life is timing for sure. So, like you said, it is about timing and the right time, you know, right moment, right time. Let, let me ask you this now. You know, obviously, Daytona 500, your dream, you want to get that done. Five years from now, <laughs> what will we be saying about Tia Norfleet? What are we going to be saying about her? You. That girl, she 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 overcame all of that. I'm so proud of Tia. She didn't let them stop her. She didn't let them, you know, she really did what she said she could do, and she did it well. She did it gracefully, and... I mean, she she did everything she set out to do without. I mean, without being stopped. I think that's what. I mean, that's what I would like for people to see about me. <laughs> but you really can't control that. But um, that's really it. You know, she she did it. Right, right. Even well, though everything was thrown her way, she still did it. Right, for sure. I mean, you went through. You, like you said, the controversy a couple of years ago. You went through that fire. You went through that storm, and now it's time. I guess it's your time now. I sure hope so. I, I, I believe that as well. Now, fans, make sure you, you follow her journey. Go to her website, tianorfleet34.com. Support her journey. Also go to Twitter, at Tia Norfleet. Support her journey. What's the 34? What, what's 34 mean to you? What's that number um, well, 34 to me, it just symbolizes the struggle, <laughs> really. Okay. Um, Wendell Scott, um, he was the first African-American to ever participate in NASCAR. He actually won. Um, a lot of people don't know that. But, um, and um, that was his number. And okay. um, so when my dad raced, that was his number as well. So I just used 34 because it just it, it symbolizes uh, like I say, it just symbolizes the struggle, you know. It symbolizes a lot. It means that, you know, he had it worse than my dad. My dad had it worse than me. And I want to make it where the next little girl or boy or whatever, you don't have to be black. You don't have to be, you know, whether you white, black, Latino, whatever, but, you know, has an opportunity and is given a chance to actually make something of themselves and go for their dreams. For sure, for sure. And you, you said that you sing. Do you want to uh, uh, take us home with something? <laughs> uh, you trying to put me on the spot. Ooh, you can pass. You can pass. <laughs> I'll pass this time, but next time I come, I'll have a record for you. How about that? Okay. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Again, fans, go to our website, tnorfleet34.com, and also Hit her up on Twitter at Tia Norfleet and support Instagram. everything. Instagram. Hit me up as on well. Instagram, Tia underscore thirty four. Facebook, Tia Norfleet. 
Okay, make sure you hit us, hit her up on all those social media platforms and support everything going on with Tia Norfleet. Tia, pleasure talking to you. Wish you nothing Same but the best here. of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, let me know. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Tia Norfleet, the first and only uh, African-American woman to be licensed by NASCAR. Pleasure talking to her. We're going to bring in a guy now, um, you know, the haves and the have-nots, big-time show on OWN, Oprah's Network, uh, crazy finale. I mean, I, I recently got into the show. Uh, my wife was watching, and I recently got into the show. I'm hooked. You know, I I can't wait for January till the show comes back. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, that show. But we're going to bring in a guy who's a big part of the season finale. He plays Oscar on the haves and the have-nots. I guess his, Oscar was his, uh, his his fake name. I guess his real name is Brandon. But we'll, we'll see as the uh, next season comes along. But we're going to bring him in now. One of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and the Have-Nots, actor Philip Boyd. Philip, how hey, are you? Hey, Paul. How are you doing today? Doing great, Doing man. well. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. And, and, and I watched the season finale with my wife, and, and all I was saying is, Tyler Perry has done it again. I mean, it, it was crazy. It was good. It was traumatic. It was everything you can ask for in a season finale. Talk about that. Man, I tell you what, we, you know, going through the season, you don't get the scripts right away, so you have to wait and see what happens later on. And when that came out, we were all just like, wow, what is wrong with you, Mr. Perry? <laughs> was, was that the first time you saw the episode on Tuesday, or had you seen it before? No, that was the first time I get to see it, too. I get to see it when you guys see it. Okay, okay. What was your thoughts when you saw it? Man, I, you know what? It, I go I go along for the ride as long as, I mean, it's when the fans go along for the ride. It was kind of a, you know, I always get weird about watching myself on TV, but with the finale, I thought it was really, really good. I just like to watch my friends on there, you know, Tika and okay. Crystal and John and all those guys. They're awesome. For sure, and, you know, they say numbers never lie, and here's the numbers. 3.7 million people watched the show, the highest ever in the history of the show, highest ever in OWN history. Tuesday was the Ooh. highest rated night in the history of OWN. Again, numbers don't lie. How's it feel to be a part of history? Oh, man, that's great. That's exciting. I uh, Although I don't think those 3.8 million people are going to um, like my character too much now after the season finale. No. No, my wife doesn't like you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot of people out for blood, man. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to next season, though. For sure. And and let me ask you this about the you know next season and the season finale. And I, I got to ask you this, and you can keep it between. We can keep it between us. We don't have to tell anybody. But does Quincy uh-huh. finally die? Does he finally die? <laughs> I know he got stabbed pretty good in the season finale, man. He, he he took a stabbing. I mean, if he gets up from that, I'll be very surprised. <laughs> I will too, but he's kind of like uh, 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 you, you watch a horror movie and uh, they, they always come back no matter what happens. He, he runs into a house with the car. He gets into a car accident with Benny. I mean, this this guy, no matter what happens, he still finds a way to rise, so... I, I think he's still alive. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, but I he's think like he's the Terminator. Alive. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're talking yeah. one of the stars of, of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and the Have-Nots, actor Philip Boyd. And uh, let me ask you this now, and we, we saw on Twitter you going, you will be back next season. You also told me off-air that you guys have already shot next season, so next season is already done. Yeah, we are shot it. Tyler Perry likes to move quick, man. And uh, sure. I guess, you know, next season – is just as good as uh, this season was. So I'm really looking forward to you guys checking it out from what I hear from Tyler. A bigger role for you? Um, You know, I'm going to say that, that Oscar's character, Brandon, which I'm sure that people are going to call him Oscar for a long time, which is fine. <laughs> um, and that, and that's fine. I think we make reference to it in next season as well. Um, I know that Candace, Tika Sumner, wonderful actress, is going to be um, on the hunt for Oscar's character. She's not going to let that go. For sure. I mean, he wiped her out with $4 million. <laughs> you know what? I kind of saw that coming. I kind of saw that coming. Yeah, I think a lot of people did in the very beginning. They're like, I don't trust that man. I don't trust that white yeah. devil. I don't know. <laughs> I was reading a lot of the tweets, and I was just like, wow. <laughs> this guy's got to figure it out already. For but, uh, sure, you know, for sure. On, I think I think we played a little bit of a you know cat and mouse game where people didn't know for sure they had their suspicions, but yeah, I think we played it where people were kind of guessing even up to the end yeah. in, the, in the plane ride when I was like, you know what, I'm coming back, I'll be there in a minute. Yeah, I get yeah. that. But but here's what also you know watching your character and you know this is a kind of a dangerous thing for me. I mean, I got my wife here and and, and I see how you charmed Candace. And after seeing that, you know, I got my wife, and, you know, I got to keep my wife away from a guy like you. Other guys are probably going to keep their girls from a guy like you. I mean, you charmed Candace, you tricked Candace, and ultimately, man, you got her money. But now, moving forward, from my standpoint, I got to stay away from a guy like uh, uh, Oscar slash Philip Boyd. I mean, you're you're a charming guy. You might steal my wife. I mean, come on, that's that's definitely a character, man. I, I am very much a person that likes to uphold the you know, the law of the land as far as that goes. I, I don't I don't that's that's just a, a thing of mine. Um so you don't have to worry about that. But uh Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean it was a fun character to play, you know. Was, you know, and, and then I watched that movie Focus with Will Smith and I'm like, now that's a con man. I don't know if you've seen that movie or not, but it was a great movie. I haven't seen it, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. I'll almost definitely take your word for it. Uh, let me ask you this. You you played this role to a T, and, you, you know, this character kind of took off. Were you were you surprised by that? I was. I definitely, you know, I mean, the haves and have not fans, let me tell you, are the best fans out there that I've ever been a part of for a show. And, you know, they're very loyal to the to their uh, actors, and so when a new guy comes on the show, you never know how they're going to respond. If they're going to welcome him, or if they're going to be like, you know, what is Tyler doing, bringing, you know, this guy on the show? You just you just don't know. And uh, you know, this is the first for me to get such an overwhelming response from the haven't had nots community, and you know, I'm blessed to be a part of it. I can't sure. thank Tyler Perry enough for that. And let's talk about Tyler Perry. I mean, he's done big things on the big screen, done big things on the small screen, done big things in the play world as well. He's accomplished, and no doubt about it. What impresses you the most about Tyler Perry? 
oh man, his imagination and his his will for people to do better in life. You know, there's just a lot of things that, that don't get put in the media about Tyler Perry about the the uh, charity work that he's done and the and the people he's helped out in his life and the way he's paid paid it forward his success to other people. Like I can't say enough good things about Mr. Perry. He's truly a gift, and I, I'm sure. so thrilled to be able to call him my friend. Wow, that's good. That's big time. And as we said, you're doing big time things with the haves and the have-nots. We're talking to one of the stars of the haves and the have-nots, actor Philip Boyd. And so let, let's go to sports now. I mean, you're 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 yeah, an Atlanta man. guy. You're a Georgia guy. Yeah. You're 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 an Atlanta Falcons fan. Your Falcons are off to a two and zero start. Matty Ice got it done against the Philadelphia Eagles week one, and Matty Ice came on back in week two and, and you know, came back against the New York Giants. How are you feeling about the yeah. 2-0 Falcons at this point? Man, I'm telling you right now, whoever has Julio Jones and Roddy White on their fantasy team are doing a good job. For sure. You know, <laughs> even Matty Ice. Um, I'm excited about it this season. You know, Dan Quinn, when he first came on, you know, you don't really know uh, how a, a coach is going to do, but – I do know this. I do know that, uh, you know, defense wins championships, and he was a defensive coordinator over at Seattle. So I'm I'm pretty excited about it, man. So you, you feel like this is a, a playoff football team? Oh, without a doubt. I definitely know the Falcons will be in the playoffs this year. I don't know if they'll win the Super Bowl, but uh, I know they'll be up there, you know, front runners, contenders. Okay. So you, you think, you feel like, I mean, you got the Carolina Panthers 2-0 right now in the NFC South. You feel like that's the best football team in the NFC South? Right now, the way they're playing? Yeah, absolutely, man. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I'm, let, I'm liking They're exciting to watch. Let, let me ask you this, and, and, and let, let's just go through this exercise real quick. You want to run throughout, run down their schedule, and we'll see wins and losses, and we'll see if they're actually going to make the playoffs. Do you want to do that? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. Let's do okay. it down. Okay. Okay, we, we got week three. At Dallas, Dallas, you know, no Tony Romo, no Des Bryant. But I, I think the Cowboys are a tough football team. I think Dallas actually wins this game. What are your thoughts? Falcons win? No, Falcons win for sure. Okay, so they're 3-0 and after week three. Okay, let's go to week four. You got the Texans coming to town. Houston struggling. You win that one? Win that one too. Okay, so you're 4-0 and after four weeks in the National Football League. Let's go to week five. You got the Redskins coming to town. Another victory? I'm telling you right now, my favorite number is number five, five and zero. Oh. <laughs> okay, five and zero. Oh. Let's go to week yep. six. Week six, excuse Woo! me. At New Orleans. At New Orleans, Saints are struggling. Zero and two at this point in time, not playing very well. You win that game. Saints have always been a tough team for the Falcons. I'm going to say that's going to be a tough one. So I, they might not win that one. Okay, you're five and one at this point after week six. Week seven at Tennessee, Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee Titans. You know, I gotta go. I gotta go with the Titans on that one. Okay, Sorry. so you're five and five and two, five and two. Yep. Okay, week eight, Tampa comes to to the dome. You win that. Yep. Yeah, Six we win that two. one. Okay, at San Francisco, week nine. I mean, how how can you not win in the Bay Bay Area? I mean, come <laughs> okay. on, Atlanta's gonna win that one. Okay, seven to two. Week ten is a bye week. We're at week eleven. We're seven and two. We have the Colts and Andrew Luck coming to town. Mm, that's gonna be a tough game. 
be a tough game. I, I think we might we might uh, go down on that one. Okay, you're seven to three now. Week twelve, yep. the Vikings come to the dome. What happens? W. Okay, eight Prime and three. Uh, eight and three. Okay, we, we got yeah. at Tampa week thirteen. You're eight and three at this point. You got Tampa. What happens? Tampa's going to want some revenge for the ass kicking we put on them back in uh, okay. you know week eight. So uh, I think we still beat them. But okay, goal. so okay, so we're nine and three at this point. Nine and three, yep. four games to play. Nine and three. Okay, week fourteen, the nine and three Atlanta Falcons go to the Carolina Panthers. Cam and the boys, you win that. Carolina takes that one. Okay, so nine and four at Jacksonville, week fifteen. We got that one locked up. Okay, ten and four, Carolina, in Atlanta. You win that? Oh, we're whipping, we're whipping that ass that time. Yeah. Okay, so so you're eleven and four in the final game of the season. You got the New Orleans Saints coming to the Falcons. Can we say? Yeah, we're gonna be on a hot. We're gonna be on a hot streak then. We're taking that one too. So at the end of the day, you, we're saying twelve and four for the Atlanta Falcons for the 2015 NFL season. Yes, sir. Wow. Wow. Yeah, what do you think? I hope you're right. Twelve and four. I hope I'm mm, right too. That's ambitious. That's ambitious because I look at that division, and and I didn't expect the Falcons to be two and zero at this point in time. But I think it's a team still with some deficiencies. I, I'm still not sold on that defense. I mean, I I love you know obviously Julio Jones and Roddy White, and I love Matt Ryan, but that defense is 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 not a solid good defense. I mean, it it's it's improved. But is it good enough to win 12 football games? Woo! I don't know. Hey, well, I, I, here's I'm the thing, gonna... man. It's all, Go ahead. It's all about the ball. You know, defense is, is what wins championships. I mean, it, it, it's been throughout the whole history of time, I think. You know, I was worried about sure. our offensive line, to be honest with you. I didn't think we had a very strong offensive line to start out with. But they're proving me wrong. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line is better. But, you know, I see a lot of quick throws with the Atlanta Falcons. But – they're better. They're better. But are they good enough? And I guess over the long haul we'll see. I think you lose this week, but we'll see. You got your boys going twelve and four. So twelve and four, obviously that wins the NFC South. That might even give you a first round bye. So you might be one of the top uh two seeds in the NFC. Is it possible that the Atlanta Falcons dare I say Super Bowl fifty? In your mind I don't know, man. Hey man, if if we get to twelve and four and we get a bye the first week, we're gonna have to revisit this phone call. Okay, okay. If you're twelve and four, we most definitely have to revisit this phone call because. I, I, <laughs> uh, I don't yeah. think that's happening, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, right. like you said, yeah, they're, off, they're off to a good start. You're the expert. I'm just a daydreamer. <laughs> Let me ask you this now. I mean. You're an athlete. You were an athlete growing up, and I believe your grandfather played baseball in the 30s. I mean, he did. Yeah, so, back to the Washington are, Senators. Are, are you a big time baseball guy? Are can you play baseball yourself? I know you you you, you played in high school, I believe. Or how, how good of a baseball player were you? Well, I, you know, I started playing baseball when I was four years old, and then uh, my hopes was to make it to the major leagues, like my grandfather, my great grandfather, and. Um, 
it just didn't happen, you know. I got to be honest with you. When you get to that level, I mean, it's all about hard, hard work, and those people are so talented and so quick and just, you know, accurate. It's it's really hard to compete at that level. So I my hat is off to anybody playing professional baseball. I mean, that's I mean, if you think about it, baseball is the hardest sport to make it in professionally. It's tough. It's most I think so, just tough. because of all the all the minor league systems that you have. You, know, you have triple right. A, double A, single A, and then you've got the big show. And then, you know, football, it's, you come out of college, you go straight to the NFL. Basketball, you come out of high school sometimes and go straight to the NBA. So, you know, hockey, you can play as a high schooler, I've seen, you know. <laughs> so it, it, baseball is a really tough sport to make it to the big show. And I know people think it's boring and stuff like that, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's physically demanding. For sure. And, and, and I'll disagree slightly. I think basketball is because of numbers. I'll say purely because of numbers. And and it's become more – and baseball is a world game as well. But I think basketball is more of a world game too. And, and, and I think, you know, you're not only competing against guys uh, domestically, but you're competing against guys internationally. So it, it I think basketball is the toughest to get into because of numbers. Because only, what, 15 guys on a roster? So – Numbers wise, yeah, but let's be let's be ball. but let's be honest though. If you're if you're six foot seven, six foot eight, six ten, even seven feet, I guarantee the NBA team is going to take you and and just see if they can work with you just because of your physical you know height. Yeah, you'll, you'll definitely physical, get a look. Yeah, I mean if you're in baseball, you know nobody's going to look at you if you're seven feet tall. <laughs> you know Randy what I mean? Johnson like. <laughs> yeah, Randy Johnson one. You know, there's maybe two others. But in basketball, it's kind of like you know you got an advantage if you're, you know, physically sure. domineering as far as that goes. You know, for sure, for sure. It's almost like an added yeah, bonus. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, height, size, and and height does matter, and it definitely helps if you want to get into the National Basketball Association. We're talking to one of the stars of the haves and the have-nots, uh, Philip Boyd. And Philip, obviously, big things with the haves and the have-nots. You're doing big things there. But what else is going on with you? What else is next for Philip Boyd? Well, there's a movie that I did back uh, a while ago, about a year ago. That's, I think it's going to be coming out in selected theaters. It's called The Wrong Side of Right. Uh, I have a supporting role in that, and that's with Leah Thompson, a girl named Allison Page, Jason Blair, um, and James Raymore. And that's called The Wrong Side of Right. And I think it's going to be out in a couple of theaters soon. And also, there's another movie that's probably going to be out in January or February, and it's called Jesse and Naomi. And that's with uh, Mary Lou Henner, Corbin Burnson, and one of my good friends, Chelsea Crisp, who's on this new show on ABC called Fresh Off the Boat, who just got renewed for their second season. They just started that up. And um, she's one of the stars of that show. And she is just a, a pleasure to be around and a pleasure to watch. And another guy named Joe Williamson, who's a great friend of mine, he's in that movie as well. And we just got to actually, I just got a rough cut of it, and I got to see it. And it's actually really good. I think people are going to be pleased with it. Completely different character than my okay. character on the haves and the have not. <laughs> so it, it's a good time to be Philip Boyd right now. Good time. Well, you know, I mean, we have our downtime too. You know, I haven't I haven't worked in, in in a while, but I'm gearing up to start. You know, doing something else soon as well. How, how'd that role come about, uh, Oscar? The role of Oscar. How'd that come about for you? Uh, let's see. Okay. So this is going to be one of those Hollywood stories that everybody listens to and like, wow, dreams do come true and stuff like that. <laughs> so I was working in this restaurant, a really upscale restaurant, 
in uh, West Hollywood, big celebrity clientele. And I was bartending there, and Tyler Perry happened to be standing by the bar. And the next day, I was going to go back to Atlanta, actually, and run a Tough Mudder race with my younger brother. Okay. And he was standing right by the bar, and I said, hey, Mr. Perry, I said, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you doing the great things that you're doing for Atlanta with the film industry. You know, I think it's great. I said, I'm actually going back there tomorrow to run a Tough Mudder. He goes, oh, that's great. I'm, I'm actually running a Spartan race for my birthday. I said, oh, cool, man. Well, you know, congrats. Good luck with that. Nice to meet you. That was it. Right? Wow. 45-second conversation. So six months later, I get a text message. How was a tough mutter? I was like, who, who the who the hell is this? <laughs> you know? Uh, and he goes, it's Tyler Perry. He goes, listen, man, I, I was writing this uh, character for the haves and the have-nots, and your face popped in my mind. Wow. And he goes, I, I, I was wondering if you'd like to audition for it. And I said, well, yeah, I'd love to hear about the role, you know, and, and see what you got in store. But, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to audition for it. So he, he said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you some pages. And I looked at him, and I was like, all right, this, this actually looks pretty entertaining. I like this. So I went over to the casting director's office, um, and I think he sent a bunch of other guys over there as well. But, you know, the opportunity was there, and I went and I read for it. They sent him the tape, and he was like, you know, you are Oscar. You are this guy. And so um, I was like, wow, this is, you know, like a dream come true. Thank you so much. Just elated, man. Yeah. Wow. Right place, right time. Right place, right time. Yeah, for sure. So, so so, I mean, yeah, I guess it it was men. It was, it was, it was destiny. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, some things just happen like that in my life, man. It's just, it's just been something that you can't control, you know, but you got to put your plate, you put yourself in the right place at the right time, I guess. And then opportunity strikes. That's luck, I guess. And you do a little modeling as well, right? Well, I don't know about that. I, you know, I'm okay. not sitting in front of the camera for a couple of photographers, but I have never gotten paid to do a modeling <laughs> job, no. Okay, okay. Are you single? Uh, right now, yes, I, I am single, yeah. Okay, okay. I've been um, I've been very, uh, I've been a hermit this summer, to be honest with you. I, All right. I've been actually working on a couple of features, working, writing them. So I've been really focused on that. No time for love. No time for that. Well, you know, I think that that sort of thing, if you chase it, it's sort of you attract the wrong thing. So you kind of just wait and see what happens. And the universe always has a good way of revealing itself to you when, you, when you're ready for things to happen. Uh, let, let me ask you this now. I mean, after this Oscar role, has, has the, the interest increased on some level? Well, I would say that, yeah, there's been some people that have reached out that uh, – I wouldn't normally have heard from. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. That, that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, it's interesting, you know. It's you know, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I would also, you know, gather that you're getting a lot more interest maybe from the African-American side after this particular role. Yeah, you know, <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to interact with that demographic, you know. Um, for sure. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's it's 
it's yeah. I mean, I'm from Atlanta, so it's I'm not <laughs> right. You know, definitely. You know, it's a big community for that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So fans, fans, and those who are single, make sure you go to uh, his Twitter page. Hit him up on Twitter at Philip K Boyd. Support this man. Support all the great things going on with this man. He's doing big things on Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and The Have Nots. Also, make sure you go to his website, philipboyd.net, and support this man. He's doing big things. You said you 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 guys already shot the next season. Now, are you guys going to be shooting the season after that shortly at some point? You know, I just spoke to. To uh, Tyler Perry the other day, and um, he had made mention that he's going to start writing the next uh, few seasons. So uh, okay. I, I don't know when we'll be going back, but I think it'll be sometime next year. Next year, okay. To film the right. film a couple more episodes. Okay, all right. So hopefully we'll see some more of Philip Boyd fans again support this man. He's done big things on Tyler Perry's The Haves and The Have Nots, and. He's got some other things going on as well. Got some movies coming, so make sure you look out for this man, Philip Boyd. Philip, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again in 12 and 4. We we, we sure yes, about sir. that. Okay, 12 and 4. 12 and 4 it is. Let's do it again. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, man. Okay. I'm ready. All right, take care. Right. You too, Paul. Actor, Philip Boyd, pleasure talking to him. Good guy, good guy, cool guy, and it was fun talking to him. Again, if you haven't seen the haves and the have-nots, you're missing out on something good. You're missing out on something good, uh, you know. It's, 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 it's a good show, definitely a good show. Drama, suspense, mayhem, craziness, you know, it's good. So make sure you check it out. It's coming back January 2016. It's a long time. It's a long time, well, about three months, not too long, but... You know, it's a great show. It's a great show, and Tyler Perry does a tremendous job. Everything that man touches finds a way to turn to gold, and and for whatever reason, it, it finds a way to turn to gold, and it's been turning to gold uh, for this man, uh, Tyler Perry, for and a bunch of things, and a bunch of different movies, a bunch of different films, TV shows, so on and so forth. I mean, he is own. He's owning own. All his shows are on own, and he's doing big things on own. It was a pleasure talking to Philip K. Boyd, and it's a pleasure watching the great shows that Tyler Perry brings to the table. I want to thank uh, Hall of Famer Willie, Willie Rowe for stopping by. Also want to thank Jets linebacker Demario Davis for stopping by, and also Philip K. Boyd. And also I want to thank uh, NASCAR driver Tia Norfleet. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter. At go for again, G O F O R I T G A N T. Also, also, go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash go for again. This interview with Philip Boyd, Tia Norfleet, uh, and Demario Davis also will be uploaded there uh, shortly. So make sure you go there to check out that interview. And again, listen to past shows, blogtalkradio.com slash begin. And also, YouTube channel, youtube.com. Slash go for again, G O F O R I T G A N T. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. We hope you have a great day. See you later. Take care. <laughs>